Hi there, I'm Oshin Lunny, and this is the Siemens Advanta podcast, where we invite you to unlock the full potential of IoT. Every episode, we chat with some world-leading experts who can help to make the vision of an optimistic IoT-powered future a reality. It's often said that culture eats strategy for breakfast, but did you know that an unhealthy company culture can devour your entire digital transformation strategy? So, how can you succeed where many are failing to execute? How can you stack the odds in your company's favor? The answer is with culture by design. And in IoT, it's all about the people. In today's episode of the Siemens Advanta podcast, we're going to be getting the top tips and tricks from a pair of phenomenal HR leaders who eat culture for breakfast. Welcome to the podcast, Judith Visa, the Chief Human Resources Officer and member of the Managing Board of Siemens AG. Welcome, Judith. Hello, everyone. And Diane Moody, who is the VP of Organizational Development and Culture at Royal DSM. Welcome, Diane. Good morning. Now, on the Siemens Advanta podcast, we do like to get to know our VIP guests a little bit before we invite them to share their very best secrets with our amazing listeners. So I'd love to know, was there anything that you tried for the first time during the pandemic and what was it? So starting with yourself, Judith. Yeah, we so happened to get a dog at the end of January, not oh. knowing that we were headed into a pandemic. But um, I have clearly upped the ante on my dog training skills during the pandemic. That was a, certainly an unexpected answer, but that's a good one. And Diane, how about your good self? What new things did you try during the pandemic? Uh, well, I'm a recent convert, actually, to the delivery of my dinner. Uh, a few nights at home, oh. so... Uh, even though I love cooking, I got really tired with the mental load of thinking about what to eat at home every night. So three nights a week, we have uh, vegetarian HelloFresh meals. Oh, nice. And I have to say, they're very good. And they've actually taught my husband to cook which is a definite bonus. <laughs> Fantastic. There's an unexpected <laughs> bonus there from the lockdowns. Brilliant. Great answers. Thank you both. Um, so in the very first episode of the Siemens Advanta podcast, we invited Emmerich Sarazin and Peter Corte on to bust some IoT myths. And one of the most pernicious myths was that IoT, it's all about the tech. What would you say to that myth? You know, why is technology alone not enough? And we'll come to your good self first, Judith. I think the interesting thing is that, of course, IoT is about technology, but it is also about a very different business model. Certainly, you know, when we look at this as, as Siemens, we used to start off as, as a hardware company. Uh, we made hardware more intelligent. But now what you really do is you sell data and insights with IoT. So you have a double change in that it's not just technology, it's also the business model. And if we think about the fact that two thirds of any change initiative fail because you can't take the people with you, you can't adjust the culture. Well, here's a double whammy of technology and business model. So it's even more important that you're actually able to, to take people along. Yeah, totally. That's a really good point. We, we will absolutely come back to that double whammy a bit later. And how about yourself, Diane? Have you ever come across a digital transformation initiative that was completely about the technology and not about the people and it was hugely successful? Or uh, is, that a, is that a myth? <laughs> I, think that's, uh, I think that's an absolute myth. I mean, ultimately, technology is a tool to help us achieve something else. Hmm. 
And because it's a tool, it needs to be functional for people. Um, people who are going to use those tools normally, for example, within organizations, the technological changes are things which people experience in the everyday adjustments to how we work, even if in the background it's driven by the business model. And here, um, ownership by people has to be critical part of the change plan because ultimately that's what this is about. It's about change and change is about behavior. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. You kind of allude to the importance of empowering people to be part of the change there. So we'll absolutely talk about that a bit more later. Um, but I'm sort of curious as to why do you think that we have this focus on putting technology in the foreground? Could it be because it's a bit more predictable and controllable for us than human factors? Maybe some people just like being in charge of robots, so to speak. Uh, who'd like to chime in there? Well, I, I think it's, if I speak for Siemens, I mean, it's what we're great at. Yeah. Technology is what we're really good at. It's where we have a long heritage. That's where we've got loads of expertise. So of course, this is what you would naturally gravitate towards. And I agree with you, even in my own function, the reason why I think some people refer to it as human resources, I think, was the endeavor to make it sound like it's something that you can predict and manage like other resources and assets. So I do think that people both gravitate to what they know best. Uh, and in our case, or in, in the case of many people, that would then be technology, but I think it's also underestimated the human factor in change. And if we just think about ourselves, for any New Year's resolution, now how many of those fail? It takes 60 days to create new habits. So, you know, multiply that for an organization. It shows you that you really need to be mindful about how you take people along, how you design for behavioral change that Diane already alluded to. Yeah, indeed. Design for behavioural change. Oh. Brilliant. And uh, Diane, coming over to yourself on that point, I mean, obviously, you know, exactly as Judith just said, I'm sure robots don't have any problems keeping their New Year's resolutions, <laughs> but, uh, you know, humans are a bit more complex. How should companies be looking at balancing technology and people? Well, I, I think uh, in the way that we look at all change, we need to look at what is the incentive for people to do things mm. differently? And my belief after many years of doing this is that we can work for a long time on intrinsic motivation uh, and trying mm. to change people's mindsets. And that work can take a very long time for some people. We know that we will always have early adopters and, you know, the guys who love the tech anyway, and they want to be the, the front runners. But for most of us, yeah. this change, as Judith pointed out, uh, it's slow and it's a little bit painful. So I think what we can do from an organizational perspective is help nudge that change by mm. the way that we design uh, the organization, the work that people do, and maybe the way that we design options for people to behave differently in a way which makes mm. that path easier to take than the old path. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. That's, that's great uh, food for thought there. And just to put this in some kind of a context, um, 
coming over to yourself, Judith, why do you think that so many of these digital transformation initiatives completely fail? I mean, up to an 85% failure rate, it's horrendous. And can we get an indication of what the actual real world cost is to businesses of this failure? So kind of a two-part question there. Yeah, the reason for the failure, I think we already alluded to, it is whether or not you are really able to take people with you. If I quote one of the famous examples, if you take Kodak, contrary to common belief, it was actually not that they missed developing the technology. It is that they missed the different positioning from a marketing perspective and how to sell a different proposition. So the ultimate cost could be that your company becomes irrelevant, jobs are lost, and there is no additional value added to your customers or consumers. And simply somebody else will step into that space. So to quantify that, I think is very difficult, Mm. but it may very well be. And particularly because technology is developing so fast these days, the question is, Can you be an early adopter as a business or even leading that? Because otherwise you might become irrelevant much, much faster than we could possibly imagine. Yeah. I mean, Kodak is a fantastic one word answer to the question, uh, what can the real world cost be to businesses? It's like the uh, poster child for cultural obsolescence, just destroying a company. Um, So Diane, talk to us a bit more about something you mentioned earlier, which is this idea of designing culture. Talk to us about culture by design. Well, I think culture anyway, as you said at the beginning, is really critical to enabling transformation. We've got a culture everywhere where we work. You know, we have uh, the culture that we've got. And the question is, is this the culture that we want? And then if it's not, if in some way it's holding us back, if in some way it's limiting uh, our potential, then the good news is that we do have the opportunity to be able to change that. But as people say, you don't think culture, you actually do culture. So culture is created by a myriad of signals, uh, you know, coming right through a system that people embed and that turns into the routines and their habits and and the signals and the symbols of uh, who we are and what we stand for. And of course, when we work out what they are, so first, I think we need to see and recognise what they are. And that's no easy feat because sometimes culture is like the water we swim in. It's so normal. Mm that we stop being able to identify it as being unique. But we can do that, Mm. and we can do that through surveys, we can do that through different cultural frameworks, and then we can start to look at which are the levers that we need to change. And some of those might be in the design of work, but a lot of Mm. them will be in, for example, how leaders work with their people not just walking the talk, that's the famous one, but also how they Mm. run their business. Yeah, very very good point there. Thank you. Yeah, leadership is a huge issue and a huge opportunity in this world, I think. And uh, coming over to yourself, Judith, talk to us a bit about this concept of culture by design, but overlaid against this very um, tech-friendly, tech-obsessed world of IoT. And why is culture by design important for IoT? 
Well, let me give you an example from our countries. Uh, the mm. Netherlands recently held a hackathon with our software business, Mendix. So they married our Siemens organization with the software company that is based out of the Netherlands and they used agile methodology, so an agile way of working, so a hackathon mm. to do this. They enlisted over a hundred participants to come up with IoT ideas and they were actually able to pitch those ideas uh, a little bit like a lion's den and people voted on the best business ideas and they are now being developed and to a certain extent also funded. Wow. Why am I telling you this example? Because I think it shows a number of different things. First, it goes for collaboration. So mm. different businesses came together to do this together. They applied a methodology that is also part of the new world, which is to get things done really, really fast. Thirdly, it mobilized an organization. It wasn't leaders teaching IoT or preaching IoT. It was actually letting people try it. It was about tapping into the wisdom of the organization and unleashing the creativity and the ideas that people hold themselves, which is so much richer than, than a top-down approach to this. So there's actually huge opportunities, again, in, in how we design certain things to the point of designing culture. And I think that uh, it has huge opportunities to democratize, to mobilize. Mm. Uh, and in the IoT world, that's actually part of what you want. Yeah, totally. I love that example. It's very much about empowering people, about bringing out their inherent creativity and the ability to make great things happen by collaborating. And it's also acknowledging this new world of overlapping ecosystems that we live in and work in. So that's fantastic. I'd love it. Um, and there's a huge failure rate for digital transformation. It can be as high as 85%. So, you know, coming back to that double whammy of technology and business clashes, um, are there any tips and tricks that you would share uh, to do with leveraging culture by design to make digital transformation a success? Well, if I could give a, a simple one, which is remove the things you want people to stop using. One of the mm. um, ways that we at DSM move very, very quickly to teams, that's a very simple uh, design trick. But I would say the other one is a bit like Judith was talking about there is about mobilising real people. So having movements where you uh, engage front runners, maybe people who are into their tech at home, you know, these are the guys that have all the gadgets that really love it and adapt to it very quickly. We've got loads of those people within our companies, but make those the people that champion the new ways of working or the new technologies that we want to use in the workplace. And we've got something like this with uh, within DSM, a whole group of digital front runners, many of whom are, you know, in the hierarchy. They really have very different levels, mm. but they're the people that you can go to. They're the ones that get first sight of the new stuff. And they get trained as well, which is really valuable for them. 
Oh, very good. So you're kind of tailoring the whole kind of work experience based on the expertise and the passions of people at all levels of the organization. That's very good. Okay, thanks, Diane. Um, so we've just been hearing from both of you there about a few toolkits and techniques to help our listeners succeed where others have statistically quite probably failed. But it's fair to say that this issue goes right to the top of many organizations. Are there any tools or tricks that you would specifically advise for the C-suite? What say you, Judith? Well, I think we all need to take a, a good hard look in the mirror and say, you know, how embracing of change are we? Hmm. What are the things that we need to role model? And again, I'll give you two examples. One is uh, what's the leadership style that's really required uh, for the change that you're trying to drive? At mm. Siemens, we talk a lot about the speed of trust, empowerment, so letting people get on with making decisions within the remit of their work, but also the growth mindsets. So how do you actually instill learning in an organization? How do you make sure that experimentation is actually safe and a learning opportunity and that you value failures for as long as you learn from them and for as long as they're set up as a learning opportunity that that you can that you can leverage insights from how is that possible and what does it require from us as leaders but there are also some some things that we can do to signal to the organization and learn at the same time so reverse mentoring might be an example of that now yeah? where if it goes to the very technology or other things where you know rather than assuming that people higher up in the organization would mentor people lower down in the organization really think about what it is that you want to learn and who's the best person to go to digital transformation is not the easiest thing to do it's about culture it's about all these very complex you know not so much moving parts but complex interconnected ecosystems would you see that a company going through digital transformation puts it in a better position to actually offer advice about digital transformation i'm curious how this applies on a company level as well i think there is something around supporting your early adopters mm. it is about nudging on in terms of behavior and designing the culture that you want to need. Mm. And then I think a lot of the fear comes with fear of not knowing or feeling less competent. So helping people also build the right capabilities and bringing that confidence back, I think is hugely important. And then I think the other thing that's also important to say is that there is certain elements of digitalization that people really, really want and crave. So one of the things that we talk about a lot as well in organizations is how people experience technology as consumers, things that are ready at their fingertips, information is there when they want it, uh, information is personalized, offerings are personalized, and people have a certain expectation when they now come into the workplace of that as well. So there's also a real benefit that comes with digitalization. So it's not just a daunting journey. So I think it's also important to leverage the things that people actually do want and that they would naturally sign on to and go with that as well and remove barriers and help people in that regard. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. Thank you, Judith. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, so, uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier, as was mentioned earlier, uh, we are seeing the light at the end of the pandemic tunnel, Touchwood. And so maybe we can look back on this period of time and see it as a cultural accelerator within the enterprise. Um, Diane, starting with yourself, I'm curious to know what should be the biggest lesson that we all need to remember from this unique and incredible time of transformation? 
Well, I think Judith talked about the fundamental uh, issue for leadership being uh, the speed of trust. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest lessons that we've all learned is that we can trust our employees to deliver uh, even when we can't see them sitting in front of us. So there are other things that drive performance rather than being present physically in an office space. And this, I think, is another paradigm shift. You know, the office uh, is, is, is not a factory. Now, the office is anywhere, anywhere that we can do our work. Mm-hmm. So I think um, that empowerment that people have felt, although, of course, many of us uh, also have felt that the, the never-ending monotony of being locked down at home and working on screens. So we need to balance that. But the empowerment and the flexibility that technology has enabled for us to work in different ways, we won't go back from that. We will only go forward. Well said. Yes, indeed. I think that's a very important lesson that we need to remember. And uh, coming over to yourself, Judith, what would you say is the biggest lesson we all need to remember from this time of transformation? Yeah, I think I would have gone to a very similar place to Diane. And Siemens was one of the really early companies out there last summer already saying that, you know, post-pandemic, we will allow people to work two to three days from anywhere. But let me maybe then also go somewhere slightly connected, but slightly different. I think the pandemic has been a myth buster. I think that was the word that Emmerich and Peter used around limiting beliefs. I think we all need to check our limiting beliefs. There's been so much that has been made possible despite or maybe because of the pandemic. The level of productivity, the level of creativity, but also the level of empathy. I think people have displayed many folds and I have experienced many folds during this last year. It's just incredible. And again, coming back to culture by design, how can we harness some of that? How can we bring some of that into this famous new normal, into the world that is post-pandemic? is one of the things that is really close to my heart and where I think if we can leverage some of that going forward without a crisis, that would make my day. i just like to say one thing about change and culture and people, which is that one thing that we've learned over the last year is how adaptable we are, how much we are able to absorb and how resilient we are. So, Yeah, I think it's worth remembering that because we often think about how difficult change is. But when it happens and we need to do it, we do it really well. So if any of you who are listening out there and are wondering where where to start and how to do this, get yourself some help and support because there are people out there who know how to do this, who know how to do IoT and who know how to do change management and the change of culture that we discussed here. So just try and find a good partner. They do exist. You don't have to come up with all the solutions by yourself. We don't have to get everything right first time round. 
also just dare to experiment and try things out. If they don't work, they don't work. Try something different and let your people also try out what works and doesn't work. And, and just trust that directionally you're going in the right direction together, but how you get there, you know, may not be in a straight line and that's fine. So there you have it. If culture eats strategy for breakfast, you need to eat culture by design. And if you want to unlock the full potential of IoT, remember that it's all about the people. Get it right, do it together, get everyone on board and the future can be unlimited. Thank you so much to Judith Visa and Diane Moody for joining us today to share some powerful tips and tricks with our lucky listeners. Speaking of which, folks tuning in at home, in your car, on the subway, if you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to tell your friends and subscribe Subscribe to the Siemens Advanta podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, do check out the Siemens Advanta website where there is some great information about strategy and transformation, change management, and much more. And do check out dsm.com to learn about their purpose-led, global science-based work in nutrition, health, and sustainable living. See you next time.